Well, good morning, church. Um, again, my name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Element. And I want to welcome you, uh, not only to church this morning, but as we continue our series in the book of James. Believe it or not, we're halfway through James. We're, we're already into chapter 3, and so we, we took a slow start to the series, but have really picked up a lot of speed. Now, as we get started this morning... Uh, I'm curious if any of you have ever played the game, Would You Rather? Um, you know, a lot of times at dinner time, my family, we sit down and we'll eat dinner together. Um, and we usually do these dinner time questions. And sometimes we'll like actually like Google search dinner time questions and actually just ask whatever questions Google can come up with or whatever list we can find um, just to talk about um, different aspects of life. You know, we usually do the, what's your, what's the greatest part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? What was the weirdest part of your day? We'll ask those kinds of questions, but then just funny, interesting, intriguing questions. And sometimes during dinner, we'll play, would you rather? And if you aren't familiar, um, just a quick snapshot of how it works. Um, the game goes like this, would you rather, and then two options are presented, and they're either both great options, or they're both terrible options. Um, and so it doesn't work if one's good and one's bad, because then that's an easy answer, you just pick the good one. And so we'll ask questions like, it may be like, would you rather spend a year living in Japan or a year living in Brazil, which... For our family, because we like travel, we like experiencing different cultures and food, that's a good one. Like, we like that, those two options. So we'll, we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about why did you choose that particular country. Or it may be something bad, like, would you rather go the rest of your life um, never being able to use or have access to the internet, or never eating sugar of any shape or form ever again? Right? So then you got to like choose which, which is the worst one, and, and, and then we talk about why. And when you put things in such extreme opposites, or when you create um, these difficult decisions to make, what that does is exposes what you value the most. It, it allows you, because we always, besides just give your answer, we're always going to go, why? Why did you choose that one? And then we get to talk about it um, as a family. And it's just a great way to just kind of stay connected and, and have good conversations. Um, but sometimes when you're given two options, it forces you to think about things you've never considered before. Today in our passage, as we start James chapter 3, um, James is going to use a bit of exaggeration and hyperbole to create this very drastic picture for us that will or should cause us to stop, to think about our own lives, and to think about what side of the spectrum we land on as James discusses a challenge that all of us face in life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through and we're going to read um, the first 12 verses of James chapter 3. I'm going to read all 12 verses, then we'll go back and we'll start breaking it up verse by verse and talk about what's being said, and, and how it impacts our lives. And so we're going to be in James chapter 3. So you can follow along on the screen, or if you had opened up the Bible app or used that QR code, you can follow along with us on your phone there. And James says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, 
For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine bear produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so as we've done every week, we're just going to go back and break this up into smaller chunks and talk about it a little bit together. And we start in verse 1 of chapter 3. And this one is actually, I think, pretty self-explanatory that James wants to give all of us and all of his readers in his churches that he's writing to in the first century a warning that you should be careful about becoming a teacher or a leader within the church because teachers and leaders will be judged with greater strictness. Now, here's what James is not saying. He's not saying you shouldn't become a teacher or a leader. As a matter of fact, if you look at Paul, who writes multiple letters to different pastors and ministry leaders, uh, in one of his letters to one of his protégés, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 3, um, Paul actually admonishes those who desire to become a leader within the local church. He says, this is a great thing that you aspire to. We need leaders. Let me say that again. We need leaders. Both in the greater church and in this church, we need more leaders. The statement isn't that we, you shouldn't become a leader as much as it is you should think about what that means by becoming a leader. That when you place yourself in a position of authority, that you're going to be judged with greater strictness. So it's not that you shouldn't become a leader, just know what you're getting yourself into. But we need leaders. And if nothing else today, maybe the Lord will speak to your heart this morning. And say, yes, there is a greater level of scrutiny and accountability. But maybe God's calling you to step up and to be a leader in a new way. Maybe that's here at this church. Maybe that's broader in God's global church. That maybe he's calling you something to come out of your comfort zone to something new. So this isn't saying you shouldn't become a leader. It's just saying you should be a leader. Just know what you're getting yourself into. And then we move on to verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, 
And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. And so what James is going to start doing is he's going to start speaking in hyperbole. He's going to start exaggerating for the for the purpose of highlighting the main point that he wants to make. And so as James begins his argument, it's almost as if after reading verse 1, you would say, well, why would a leader be judged more strictly? And James is going to introduce subtly why he thinks that. He's going to be not so subtle about it here in a few verses. But he wants to highlight You should be careful about stepping into a teaching or leadership role because we all struggle in what we say. That that speaking pure, righteous, holy, uplifting words doesn't always come easy or natural for any of us because we all stumble. And James makes this argument, that if you can control your mouth perfectly, then you're a perfect man or a perfect woman. You're a perfect person, and you can control your entire body. If you can tame or control what you say, then you've got control of everything. And then we move on. And he's going to give us some examples, some word pictures to help illustrate Um, what he's talking about to kind of give some practical thought to how this could work like how could your mouth be so powerful that if you can control it you can control everything and he says if we put a bit into the mouth of a horse we actually by controlling their mouth can control their whole body he says think about a giant ship with just a tiny little rudder We can control where that entire ship goes with that one small thing. And in the same way, the tongue is a small member. It's small, just just like a little bit in the mouth of a horse, just like a small rudder. But our words, what we say, our tongues can control the trajectory of our lives for good and for bad. Anecdotally, most of us probably know this to be true. Maybe it's happened to you in your own life or you've seen it happen to someone else. With just a few wrong words, your whole future can change. Your career can be gone like that just a few words we talk to our kids about this this is one of the reasons we don't let our kids have social media at least at this phase in their life if you're older than probably 25 22 23 I don't know I'm trying to think of when social media started. I'm trying to think of like back in the MySpace days. So I think that's when it really started. Some of you know what MySpace is. Some of you don't. It's okay. How thankful, if you're older than, your mid-20s or older, how thankful are you that you didn't have social media when you were 13 or 16 
Because you know the things that you would have put on there. The kind of things that you said to your friends when your parents weren't around. And how thankful are you that the internet doesn't have a permanent record of that? How often have we read stories of people who've lost their jobs, who've lost careers, who's, who their entire lives and character have been drugged through the mud, they have been put on public trial and publicly, socially executed for just a few words. Our mouths can control the tra- trajectory, I'm having a hard time saying that word today, of our whole lives. I think we in Colorado maybe understand more than most the devastation that a fire can create. About how much it can destroy. And it all starts with one small little flame, one spark. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. How much damage can be done by one little spark if that spark is released at just the wrong time at just, in just the wrong place? It can just devastate communities and lives. Fortunately, this year hasn't been too bad in Colorado, but last year, I mean, it was as bad as probably most of us have ever seen. And while we've had a fortunate fire season in Colorado, many parts of the western U.S. have not been so fortunate this year. And how much devastation comes from one small flame, from one small spark. James compares that idea to our words, to what we say, what we do with our mouths. Because the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members Staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. I told you, James was going to take it to the extreme today. He's going to exaggerate, and we're going to even see some more, because he's trying to make a point. And here in a minute, we're going to to really hone in on that point and allow it to settle in so that we Like the game of would you rather, we are forced in making a decision. And James is going to paint the extremes so that we don't just find ourselves in this comfortable middle ground. He wants to push us to one end or the other. Verses 7 through 12. This is the second half and the last section of our passage says this, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. 
I think not only is James here continuing his discussion of the danger of the tongue, but I think he's even hearkening back to his original warning. That you should be careful about being a teacher. Because here we see James pointing out what's so tempting for everyone. That with the same mouth that we can bless the Lord, that we can speak and proclaim his excellencies, that we can lift high his glory and talk about how amazing our God is, and with that same mouth can curse God and can curse one another. I think this is part of why James is issuing this warning about being careful about being a teacher. Be careful about putting yourself in a place where with the mouth that you use to curse others or the Lord, that same mouth, because of your leadership position, would, would lead you to talk about how great he is. But James here, I think, is being pretty clear. I think the first half of chapter 3 in his letter, I don't think it takes a Bible scholar to read this and understand the point he's trying to make. There's nothing hidden or even subtle about his arguments here. James wants us to recognize the power of our words. Our words have the ability to give life and the ability to kill. With our words, we can kill and destroy someone's self-worth, their self-respect. With our words, we can in an instant kill a hope or a dream. Our words can wreak devastation and havoc on others. And our words can set the trajectory of our, of our whole lives. Only an immature child would believe that saying that we used to all say as children, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Anyone who's lived very long at all knows that's not true. Because n almost nothing is more damaging to the well-being, to the self-image, to the future of a child than harsh, unnecessary, painful words from someone who, who's a trusted authority figure, a teacher, a parent. With our words, we can tear down and destroy in a moment, we can do something that takes years and years to undo. Unfortunately, some of you in here are the victims of unnecessary, harsh, stinging, painful words. Words that still shape how you see yourself when you, when you look at yourself in the mirror. Words that still make it difficult for you to allow your spouse to love you. Words that still force you to put a mask on everywhere you go to pretend you're someone you're not. 
just in hopes that you could avoid more painful words. The reality is that today, and we've already talked about this for a moment, our words are not just about the audible sounds that come out of our mouths, but in many ways are as much, if not more, what we do with the tips of our fingers. Because if we're going to share harsh, painful words, words designed to hurt or kill a dream or an idea, most people don't do that with their mouths anymore. They do it with their fingers, through a text or through a post. Because it's so much easier. Because you don't have to look the person in the eye. And now... With the advent of technology and our ability to communicate with others who we're not standing in front of, it not only means that we feel more empowered and more courageous to say things we wouldn't normally say, but those words don't go away. Those words don't disappear with the sound waves. They last for years, decades, And because we're all just new to this and we don't even know what the long-term ramifications are, they may last generations. James is, is creating these extremes to force our attention and focus on the power of our words. He says things like, Like if you can control what you say, you're a perfect person who can control everything about your life. He says things like nobody can tame the tongue. We can tame every wild beast in the world, but none of us can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. Your tongue, it's like a fire just ready to wreak havoc on others. Your tongue is like deadly poison. It's like your mouth is full of deadly poison. He's creating these extremes to force us to think about how we use our words. So let's just go down that road. Let's go down that road of extremes. So right where you sit, I just want you to think about it. Nobody, you don't need to answer out loud. And if you're sitting next to someone you know really well, don't give any elbows. Don't think about them, think about you. If you're only given two options, either perfect control of what you say that brings life, that builds others up, Or the other option is no control. And what you say brings pain and devastation. It's like a poison to other people. It's like your mouth has a mind of its own that you don't control. If you forced into one of those two extremes, 
where would you put yourself? Where would you put yourself? Now, what we would all like to do is put ourselves right in the middle or in the middle, but edging towards the good side. We're just going extremes. If you had to pick one or the other, where are you? Now, I want you to think about yourself, but what if I were to ask your spouse to put you at one of the two extremes? Where would they put you? Because when you are talking about yourself, you know what your intentions are. You know, you're like, well, I didn't mean to cause hurt. Well, they know I'm just joking. They know I have the gift of sarcasm. Right? We judge ourselves by what we intended and the consequences we intended. But how would others rate you? What would your spouse say if they had to pick an extreme for you? Do your words, do they bring life to them? Is what you said, does it build them up? Do they walk away from conversations with you feeling better about themselves? Feeling more hopeful about their future? And what they're capable of? Or do they walk away feeling worse about themselves? Do they walk away doubting whether they're good enough? Whether they're capable? If I were to send all of you out of this room and just have your kids in here, and I was to ask your kids, what would they say? If they had to pick an extreme... Now listen, our kids all go through phases where they don't like us, okay? I mean, they have to, otherwise you're not a good parent. So there were, there's obviously days where we know what our kids would choose. But I mean in general, on an average day, on a good day, even on a great day, which extreme would they put you in? What about your followers? If your followers on whatever social media platform is your preferred, if based on the things that you share, you like, and you post, if by that data they had to make a decision, where would they put you? Are you the kind of person that builds others up, that is life-giving? Or are you the kind that just criticizes and tears down, that tries to destroy? Now we recognize in practical life, in the real world, none of us are always on any of the extremes. And I think James is being a, a, maybe a little exaggerating, but not completely when he talks about, hey, we all stumble. So no one's perfect. So if we're all forced to choose a category, I guess we all have to choose the bad one because none of us are perfect. And he's exaggerating here, but he's trying to make a point. We recognize in the real world, in real life, none of us are perfect. And the reality is none of us are on the extreme. 
But I can tell you this, the people that are closest to you, they remember the extreme. They remember those moments where you spoke life into them. Where they walked away going, you know what, I think I can. You know what, I, I, am, I am valuable, I am loved, I am worthy of being loved. They remember those extreme moments where you gave life, and I promise you they remember those moments where you took it. Where you took it because you were being careless, or you took it on purpose because you were trying to get back at them. None of us live at the extremes all the time, but I promise you, the people around you remember those extremes. So what will you do with your words? Will you give life? Will you build up? Or will you tear down? And James, in sort of this hyperbole, will say, if you can control what you say, if you can begin living your life, giving life to others, then you're on track on being able to control and discipline everything you do. And as we close, I want to look to something that Paul says in Romans 10 that I think help illustrate the power and importance of words. He says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved from the eternal consequences of sin and rebellion against God. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The power of your words is not just true in interpersonal relationships and communication the power of your words extends to God's kingdom to his world yes you must believe but God also says you must confess with your mouth if you want to be one of mine if you want to be a part of my kingdom part of my family if you want to receive that free gift of salvation that Jesus promises and made available on the cross, then with your mouth, you must confess. The power of our words to change the trajectory of our lives and all of eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I think most of us, I know myself this morning, are a bit humbled at just the thought of how important our words are in recognizing that what we say can bring life or take life from someone. And Lord, we want to be people who give life who build up, who use our words to encourage, to point people to you, to, to model and reflect your character and your grace and your mercy and your love. And we're not perfect. We all stumble. 
And Lord, we need your help. I want you to keep your eyes closed for a moment. And I want to give you a moment of just personal response. Every week we follow up our time in the Word with with one or two songs. And it's an opportunity, it's an invitation for you to respond to the ways in which God is speaking and moving in your life and in your heart and in your mind. It's an opportunity for you to stand and use your mouth to praise our great God. It's an invitation for you to do that. But before we begin singing, I want to give you a personal moment, just you, to respond this morning. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to to tell you what to do. But maybe in this moment, you just need a time of confession and repentance. That before the Lord, you need to confess how you have used your words to hurt. Maybe on purpose, maybe maybe not on purpose. But still, you've used your words to tear down and to hurt. And right now, you need to confess that and you need to repent. Maybe there's a particular person or moment that's just burned into your mind right now. And maybe in addition to confessing and repenting to the Lord right now, you need to make the commitment that when you leave here, you will confess and repent and apologize to that person. Whoever it is, whatever it is that that the Lord's just burning in your mind right now. Make the commitment that you will use your words today, not tomorrow, not next week, today. You will use your words today to bring life. Or maybe you're sitting here and you have never confessed Jesus as your Lord. You believe in him. You believe all the facts about his death on the cross and his resurrection, but you have never, with your mouth, confessed him as Lord Maybe that's your next move. Right now, where you sit, would you give your life over to him? Not only in your mind, but with your mouth. Will you confess him as Lord of your life? That you're handing it all over to him because he's worthy and because he bought your life on the cross by paying for your sin with his blood. Whatever it is, whatever the Lord is speaking to you, will you follow him and do it in this moment? Lord, thank you. Would you give us the courage to follow you and do whatever it is that you're asking us to do? Whatever it is that we need to confess and repent, would we have the courage to do it? The courage and the willingness to to follow you, to honor you with what we say.